Hello. Yeah, you heard right, my friend. Things. This is an indication. Uh, as soon as the gorgeous public out there press play on their various podcast devices, they'll know something's up here. Well, you've just run something's me. Something's a little bit you've upside just down. Yeah, me, that's what I'm saying. It's me. I feel. A bit nervous, a bit. Um, I'm on edge. Yeah, we're through What's the looking going on? Have you now, got some friend. breaking news for me? Um, well, uh, okay, here's uh, there's something I want to say. Do you like how, even though you top. just rang me, I've managed to turn it round? <laughs> I know you did manage to make it like you put something on me. Oh, Dom, uh, Ollie, I heard you had something very cool to say. Yeah, well, sorry, it's I'm like, just the, yeah. the world. All of a sudden, he's topsy turvy, upside down. I'm, I'm here for I it. I know. Well, get, just go easy. I mean, on me. well, part of the reason that certainly my world is upside down is, for the first time, I'm calling you from a bachelor pad, because, let's just say, when the rats go out of the flats, um, bring your gats because <laughs> it's a war zone in here. And what I'm trying to say. That is so. That makes no sense. But what I'm trying to say is that um, uh, Rate, who of course made a, a, a real impact on last week's episode, um, and it's taken the pathers to... by storm. That um, oh my yeah. goodness! Apparently, there's a petition going around to replace you with her. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. no! What started I don't support by Rate? I reckon she's yeah. she as soon as. <laughs> She'd done her, her kind of... Well, she of, is ambidextrous. Yeah, she got out and she's like, so, this could work in my favour. Hey, don't you... Th- hey, guys. <laughs> yeah, uh, she did... I mean, she mobilised social media in a, in a way unheard of. Mm. But she is currently in the air flying to... Lipstick City! <laughs> to uh, visit her family, which means for the time being, it's just me, Woody... And a stack of beers. Just for anybody <laughs> listening, Woody is Ollie's cat. Yes, who George sometimes calls Netflix, which I don't mind. Doesn't make me angry. Um, um, listen, so you've yeah, called so, me. Everything is different. You are currently, you know, by yourself in Barcelona for the. And we should say today's your first evening, isn't it? She, your your lovely rat. Yeah, she left. A, just a left. F- my rat left a few hours ago. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, I mean... But I've already, I mean, I've already, I mean, truth is, kind of forgotten about her. I don't miss her at all. That's why I've made a list of things that I don't miss about her. Um, so, number one, every morning she, uh... Always make sure to, to to greet me with a smile, and I hate that. I don't miss that. Uh, number two, all our little in jokes are like our little songs that it's it's like an impenetrable language only shared by us, the language of love. Oh. And I am so happy to not be currently speaking that language. No, it must no. That honestly, that must be great. Really happy for you, man. Hey, I'm like you now, man. Yeah, um, cut loose, man. Well, um, cut loose and just live a little. So, just full disclaimer for our, as you put it, gorgeous listeners out there. Um, myself and Ollie, we rang each other. 40 minutes ago now and fell into... Is that true? Yeah, it's been 40 minutes we've been on the phone and we fell into 
a very uh, natural and I'd say well needed catch up and then said oh shit we're supposed to record yeah we should record Um, (laughs) but we won't do it much more than just I don't know talking through you know bits and pieces going on at the moment but also I just said I'm in the mood to reminisce I wanted to you know put put my my boots on and just take a walk down memory lane well yeah especially uh, as you said we are we're in what I have coined um, unprecedented times mm. and there are so many things about daily life that have changed and it might be nice for the two of us to just get in the DeLorean and travel all the way back through the years. I was actually earlier this uh, summer in August, I believe, it was our 10-year anniversary, George. Because oh. I'm pretty sure we met in Reading 2010, even though we... Have we talked about this? Maybe we have. I don't, um, don't know. Because I, I, I'm rubbish with dates. So, like, at the moment in the studio, I've been with a friend of mine. His name is Fabio, and he plays the drums better than anybody I've ever met. Um, so you know, Fabio. <laughs> well, he he, he plays he plays them Fabio. He does play them Fabio, and um, but we were he's so good at recalling dates and cities that we've performed in, and he can go like, no, that was the time, da 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 da, and I just I'm rubbish with dates, and and I can remember kind of non What's the word I'm looking for? Non consequential is that a word? You mean out. Well, what do you mean? Well, just like a little bit. I would unimportant. I could tell you what you were wearing, so you can tell me when it was and all of that, and then I can go like, "Oh yeah," and that you know. Well, I mean, it's not hard with me. Corduroy, mm. uh, full wax jacket, mm. no matter the weather, and a scowl, um, and a scowl, and wearing the most horrid scowl. Um, well, I'm pretty sure it was 2010 because. Guns and Roses uh, were headlining on the Friday and they came on like two hours late or something because Axel, you know, I don't know, he fell over in the bath or something. Mm. Um, but that, but that was the year that I, it was my second lost time your bag. going. Well, I lost, I put my tent up on the Thursday when I got there and it was raining quite heavily and um, in the kind of excitement of it all forgot to do the door of the tent up so went and you know started running around yellow camp saying hello to people and all of that and then got back and the tent was severely flooded uh, sleeping bag Mm. and so that I ended up just relying on the heart and the kindness kindness of strangers strangers to let me crash in their tents and um, behind where I was set up was your good self, Ollie, and I came and kind of commandeered your uh, area and we never looked back, I think it's fair to say. (laughs) Well, we should say that this is despite the fact that we went to the same school. Yes. Uh, I mean, I'd seen you around school. I think we've talked about how I have a memory that you... Uh, strutted around in a leather jacket. You're fairly certain that never that, happened. Yeah, but that I can't think... have happened. I mean, there was a place, I don't know if it's still there, in Covent Garden called Pop Boutique, right? And mm. I got it so, I got it about me that I needed to own a leather jacket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, it's so and you. And I saved up, went there, and this guy just want to ruffle my hair, previous me's hair, because the coat that I bought had the sleeves of a giant so they kind of like hanged out but the body of a small child so i had this really mm-hmm. bizarre kind of mike wazowski-esque kind of leather jacket vibe going on 
Um, but I don't think I would have ever wore. I think I kind of got too. No, I think to this is it. something I have conjured up mm. in in my mind. But because it is, it's a strange path that brought us together mm. um, to finally actually have a conversation in Reading Yellow Campsite. Uh, probably after screaming something like Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> uh, good reference for anyone who went to Reading in the early 2010s. Butt scratcher! I fuck that. There he is, there he is. Just yeah. confuse me. I tell you what, I. So we went to the same school. I was in the year above Ollie at school, and. It is, yeah, but you've been held back for what twenty? I think twenty-one years. years. Yeah, I was yeah, okay. held back, um, and I found in you and our friends just very like-minded people. It was very relaxed, mm. very quickly, and you know, you were you were you were a musician, and we had you got that going for you. That's for sure. And, mm, yeah, um, well, at the very least. Yeah, and I'm that way inclined to and oh yeah, yeah. you still you still you still <laughs> taking a swing at that yeah good for you mate yeah. um i was a no, very sickly you. young man that reading first of all i was um were you well because it I mean, rained and it rained and i was cold well and, and you were cold. homeless i yeah. suppose for that weekend and i remember my f- the, and we might let, let's see. I remember the first time I went to a wedding festival. <laughs> Out and about. Um, oh, yeah. That, that might, if you've just heard some um, elevator music, elevator uh, listeners, I've just been telling a story that maybe I shouldn't have. Um, well, who knows? I mean, yeah. We'll see, but certainly from my perspective, to see this figure that was vaguely, like, I sort of knew who you were. I knew that you were a Simon Baller. That's the school we went to, mm. by the way, listener. Um, but to see this poor lad kind of trundling through the campsite and you you had a little song, mm. um, you were singing about how you had... Last your bag. bag. Last my turn. It seems my money. Oh yeah, that's it. Pennies. Oh, no, no, it, it is pennies. pennies. It seems my okay. pennies are gone and spent. Oh, 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 oh. Looks like I'm in trouble. Looks like I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> and that sometimes, you know, you might eat something, you know, have a meal or certain drinks that just, you get a little song stuck Turn in your head and you got to just repeat yeah. it and get it out there. And, oh, and, well, yeah, well, you, you got it out there and I'm so glad you did. But the reason I brought this up is because, I, yeah, I'm fairly certain that it was Reading 2010, which means that we've had a, a decade of getting to really know each other mm. in quite powerful way. Mm. For example, I know things about you that would have to be uh, elevator music, <laughs> and and the same the other way around. Because, list, dear listeners, please bear in mind. Hey, we're all young once, huh? Mm. <laughs> we are. But my memory of that. So we met at the festival, and quite obviously, that's a, we were sixteen and seventeen at the time, and that's a time where 
Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Thirty. <laughs> and that's a time where it was just weekly kind of house parties and hanging out almost instantly. And, and it was a really, mm. uh, I don't know, I'm just very grateful for that time. Um, it's so bizarre to think about now because just the idea of being able to turn up at someone's house because well because uh, you were sort of like uh can't remember the name of the guy that uh, the ferryman that ferries people across the river sticks in the in the underworld but you could help us journey across to the year above and vice versa mm. so i mean more often it was old man george hanging out with the youth yeah. but there was an element of like suddenly the amount of people that we could feasibly like because basically a house party was just a way to hang out with my friends in a corner of someone's garden or mm. home i didn't I'd actually go there wanting to go and shake hand. <laughs> well feel uncomfortable at first and then get some wkds yeah, down yeah. you maybe a k cider or two yeah. and suddenly hey yeah. best friends with you my friend we sit next to each other in science we've never spoken but yeah. you and i are gonna be pals <laughs> Yeah. But so there was this kind of, uh, I don't know, there was a, we suddenly had the ability to go to traverse between the, I mean, in, in secondary school, at least in our school, at first, it seemed as if the, the divide between year groups was quite, that was quite a strong barrier. Do you think, because um, if you think about, at first, I don't know, man, because I, yeah, but then if I think about, you know, this weekend I was out with Will, Henry, Josh and me and we're all in different years. But that's what I mean. Now it's all melted down into just like, you know, uh, you can't put a number on good laughs. No, you can't. But there was a certain period, at least from my perspective, my kind of group in, you know, early secondary school, where it was unthinkable that... So, well, certainly someone from a younger year group. I mean, obviously, little man, little George is the representative. <laughs> but there was a time where that was, I mean, that won't make sense to anyone. But there was certainly a time where it was like, oh, I'm not going to hang out with anyone from the year below. And no one from the year above would hang out with me. And then eventually that did melt away. Uh, I mean, I say eventually, certainly still while we were at school, but I just mean the very first, uh, that kind of maybe year seven, year eight, I remember feeling very much like I had a, a place mm. which was below some people and far above yeah. others. I did, but then, so at the risk, I don't want for anyone listening for this to sound just like a, just a string of in-jokes and it's more just, it. I think... This makes sense in the context that myself and Ollie are missing each other and, you know, the the, the freedom of just kind of, well, seeing each other. But but it's it's also nice to give people an idea of how it all looked. And then soon after we met, because I was 17 when we met, and then obviously well, I moved to Bristol when I was 18. Mm -hmm. And soon after that, I started to perform further afield. I started to, when I was... I think 19, uh, Tom O'Dell took me on tour in the UK, which I'm still, you know, 
that will have been, it's easy to over, like it's easy to forget that time, but actually that would have been so important. And I remember so many people would then come to shows of mine in later years, having seen me on that tour. So mm-hmm. if you're listening, Todd, thank you very much. Um, Did you just call him Todd? <laughs> sorry, uh, after all sorry, he's done for you. Sorry, <laughs> if you're listening, Todd. <laughs> I said Tom. If you're listening, Tom, which you're not, but thank you. Um, <laughs> so, but then you were living in Birmingham, and then at some point you moved to Edinburgh, and I remember I would see you more in that time I seem to remember then I would have it if you had stayed at home because I would pass through that I would come through Birmingham for shows do you remember that Mm. well yeah I I have two very specific memories the first one was this must have been very early on in your career as it were because you played this jazz bar in Birmingham which was like basically an annex to like an indoor shopping mall uh i can't remember what it's called it is that it is actually a good jazz bar so Mm. i'm not trying to downplay it but what i mean is it was just you doing an acoustic thing and you weren't supporting anyone and you were on a bill with various other people and i remember we we met up and then we got to this venue and whoever your tour manager at the time whoever managed to get us some real perks and I'm not being sarcastic because especially at this time, I couldn't believe this. We got a free crate and we got to go down into this little basement yeah. below the stage and we just could sit there and, and we worked our way through a crate of Stella yeah. until it was time for you to perform. And then I can't remember what happened after that, but I'm sure it was more fun. Well, I think I'm sure it was. I remember two, a few things about that evening. One... Oh, uh, there was an old woman in the audience <laughs> that said that said to my friend who was kind of tour managing that trip. She said, "Oh, he speaks very good English, doesn't he?" About yes, me on stage, yes. and he was perplexed. He was like, "Oh, yeah, he he's English," and she said, "No, he's not." No, you never. <laughs> no, no, she no, she just said, "No, he's not." And then it was all, I did, whatever this woman was on. It I got don't know. a bit weird. It did get a, a little odd, but that still sticks with it. She was just, couldn't believe how, you know, well I spoke the Queen's. And that was, you know, that was... Well, that's lovely to hear. Yeah. I mean, so that, I remember it's a huge that. compliment. I also remember that I was drinking a kind of, I think it's like a Chinese herbal medicine for your throat that I had been recommended. Do you remember this? You had put like a cap of it in Yuck. hot water and it was like tar. Yes. And I rem- well, remember getting a bit I remember lightheaded. Too. <laughs> yeah. I remember being like... Well, I remember not... I wasn't sure if you were just letting loose before a gig or <laughs> if it was medicinal. I mean, it, it's a bit like, you know that device that you... I've seen you using this device on occasion. We call it the bong, the like vocal the, inhaler. To the untrained eye, 100% looks like a ceramic bong. Yeah. And I believe the way it works is that you sort of just suck like hot air yeah. into your throat yeah. or something. But, the, but the, it's very much that... that the, the throat medicine that I'm talking about, it's very much the kind of like purple drank of the folk world at the time. There was like a lot of... <laughs> 
folk singers that you would meet on tour. Like, they were, oh, you they really, would hand around yeah, this. Yeah, genuinely. You've got to try this. And um, I think that there's an element of you'll try anything to, to preserve your voice at that time, including well, half yeah, a crate of Stella, which I should say I don't <laughs> yeah, work before I go on stage anymore. And, and I did soon after that I stopped. But, but I have also a memory of us in Scotland. I have another memory of us in Birmingham going to for bra- Me like too, a breakfasty you... kind of thing in Sully Oak. Yeah, Hall, well, can I... T- no, Sully Oak. Sully can Oak. I t- can, <laughs> I, can I please uh, tell this one? So you played a gig and you were supported by, I believe, it, is it Soak? Yes. S-O-A-K? Soak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Who, um, who, you know, is a musician that has got some great tunes that people should check out but at the time oh sorry yeah and i'm sure you (laughs) are soak uh tom adele all of your uh james bay if you're listening anyone who has ever crossed paths with you in any way (laughs) but um at the time as far as i was aware this was definitely i mean all i can say is this was my first encounter uh with any of their music and uh i enjoyed it very much but we were at this it was like it was a pub that always played like quite cool gigs i can't remember what it's called maybe the king's something but it's upstairs i remember it? yeah i remember being well firstly i remember i was late because some mishap happened with a taxi where they dropped me off in the middle of fucking nowhere (laughs) and it was absolutely pelting it down outside and i remember trying to text you and my phone the touch screen would not work because it was so wet and i was just trying to tell you like i'm sorry i'm you know i'm gonna be late but anyway eventually i i got there and you played the gig and it was great and then in the morning because i believe at the time your tour manager he was from birmingham (laughs) so he excitedly <laughs> says, oh, there's this wicked place that we're going to go to for breakfast. And we we went there, Sully Oak, which is where I lived at the time, yeah. because that, for, for anyone who doesn't know, that's basically the student area of Birmingham. And it's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. But like, this breakfast was bigged up to me big time. And I remember sitting there and for the entire meal, it was just my dear friend George and my dear friend Jess, George's sister, both just telling me or asking me very loaded questions like, so do you like living in Birmingham? Or like, where is it in Birmingham that is nice? And like sort of things like that. And I was just like, ha ha ha, very funny. And then at the end of that meal, you get on your bus and leave. And I'm still there. I would like to say to all of our listeners in Birmingham, and this this is very genuine when I say this, my first experiences of coming to Birmingham were often difficult. It For whatever reason, and there, there is nothing to this. It's just just chance. But for whatever reason, it was like a bad luck curse was on me. Every time we went there, I remember one hotel the first time we came through with, that we stayed in, there was like chewing gum and a bit of blood on the curtains. And it was all like, this is, I'm like... Oh, yeah. you got the special dream. <laughs> yeah. So it was this kind of you like... You got the sweet. And then something happened and it will have been in about 2015, 2016. And we played a show 
in Birmingham and everything changed. And from that point on, they have always been some of my favourite shows. Some of your favourite gigs. I remember you saying. Yeah, it's just like yeah. there's something about the crowds in Birmingham and the... And, the, and Scottish crowds. Sco yeah, Scottish gigs are incredible. But the, the it's like the hospitality. There's something warm about the, the people that we play to in Birmingham. So... By no doing well, of and your also, own, you know, anyone listening, I, we had some very odd times in, in your city and we've also had some incredible times. So thank yeah. you. And I, I, I lived there for, for three years and I absolutely found the places that to this day I miss very much. There's, I mean, I think part of the issue was that if you're just going through Birmingham in a car or a bus then it is difficult to get a sense of this, the city because there's a f big old fucking spaghetti junction in the middle of it that will wreck any yeah, context. Like, it's difficult that. to root yourself in, like, where am I in terms of... But this is so um, true of all of the places that we tour or perform in. There's some that we've just lucked out on and the, the, the kind of rep for the venue or we'll have a friend of a friend of a friend or we'll meet someone the night before the show and... Through them, we're shown the city in a way that you know a lot of visitors won't see it, and then and then you can kind yeah, of form a relationship a with it. It's like oh, this place. But the majority of places, you just you're bewildered. You're going, I, I can't. Yeah. When I first got to America, I recognised most cities that we played because of hours on Tony Hawk's. I'd literally be like, oh, I've been here before <laughs> as an avatar on yeah. a skateboard. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but then I, I also remember very good times in Scotland together. Yeah, I remember um, in, I think this was actually a time that you came independent of uh, playing a gig. You just came to, to Edinburgh for a bit, maybe even, dare I say, to see I me. I think that's true. And uh, and I think Jess was there as well. Might be wrong. Maybe, that, maybe I'm confusing two times, mm. but I remember sitting in a pub in the grass market, which is a very nice part of Edinburgh that is most famous for being the venue for one of the last hangings in the UK, I think. Uh, I think that's right. Um, so, you know, it had that nice ambience. Yes. And I'm saying all this, but I mean it. I, I remember being in that pub. I remember going down to the bathroom and there was uh, some sort of funny image on the condom machine. I took a picture of it and showed it to you and we had a good laugh. <laughs> and that's the sort of thing I like. I remember, for whatever reason, I mean, there could be a few. Do you remember that fucking joke shop in Edinburgh that I was just so impressed with? The, the, well, the one that is... It's called like Ha Ha Ha, you know, I think. It's like the inspiration for Weasley's, uh, whatever it's called. Oh, Weasley. Right. oh God, we're going to have another Harry yeah. Potter fucking... <laughs> Weasley's joke shop. Yeah. But like it's got a big like glass you know, and those, noses, um, glasses, and glasses yeah. with the nose and must mustache. That's the logo. Yeah, I remember you going in, sort of like asking loads of questions about various <laughs> oh, things. You, you'd like pick up an Austin <laughs> Powers mask oh, no. and be like, "Oh, have you got this in <laughs> the thing, the thing. <laughs> you got this in blonde." <laughs> the thing that I bought from there. This oh man, shit like this really makes me wonder about. <laughs> who I am health yeah I we were playing a show in Edinburgh and I went in in the day and what's it called uh, 
Is it? I think it's called ha ha ha. No, no. What's it called when like car aerial pushes into itself? What's the word? Telescopic fork. So it looked like a normal fork. Oh, I fucking re I think I remember <laughs> yeah. this being, you know, placed in various parts <laughs> yeah. of my anatomy. Yeah. And then you can extend it to be, you know, like, oh, like a... And you got that fucking Aztec monkey. Uh, is that from there? I would go in there. So when you're on tour, you get something called pediums. They're PDs. And pediums. Pedi pediums, yeah. yeah. And that... you. Is to cover your kind of go out. And you can spend it on forks. No, you go out you and get your food and stuff in the day. But if you, if well, you're notionally, 50, yeah, if you're fifty with it and clever, you know, when I was in America, save it up and get a fucking fork. Yeah, I'd put my PDs towards buying vinyl in America because there would be record shops that were so cheap out there. Um, and mm. it's apparently in Edinburgh, I just was smitten with this this. But I don't. I wouldn't have myself it down is. as a practical joker. But I think for that window of time, I, I think it was that fork well, just really caught my imagination. That over that was the the one that. Well, I think also to be fair to you, that is sort of like the storybook perfect version of a joke shop. Mm. Like it's everything you would want from it. You know, the sign, which is, just to be clear, it's like a 3D nose <laughs> poking out over the... It's not a, just a flat image. It's a full-on, like you know, it's, it's big old thing. Yeah. And when you go in there, you can comb your way through the usual uh, nurse, uh, sexy nurse, um, Austin Powers, brown, blonde, whatever you want, mm. any wig, you can fucking sort it out. Mm. And telescopic forks. Yeah, um, the lot. Do you remember the night that I but, came to visit you in Scotland and we went down to that jazz bar? Oh, yes. So that, you mean the one that, when you say down, you mean down. Yeah. We went down these, because you, op oh God, what, what is it called? I think it might just be called the jazz bar. Mm. And I've got many memories of that place, including I went to see something with my dad and we had the kind of, uh, front row seats and we I can't remember his name but we went to see a guitarist that was like famous but you know in jazz terms so like he had been a, a session musician on some big jazz records basically can't remember his name but and he kept he was doing his sort of patter with the audience which was in my opinion, very clearly rhetorical. So when he asked a question, he didn't really need an answer because he it was basically a setup to a joke. My dad decided that he was going to just very seriously answer every question asked. Oh, great. Um, and because he was right front row, the guy could fucking hear everything. He's, I mean, and George, as you know, that is, it's a very small little yeah. jazz bar, which is why it's so good <laughs> when you're there and the music is playing, you're right up there. But... I just remember sinking into my seat because the other thing was my dad kept laughing to make clear that he got the jazz references in the guy's jokes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so good memories. Uh, what do you remember of there? Good gig, yeah? I remember that we we met up and we'd been out drinking and the jazz bar, in my memory, the jazz 
was kind of... It wasn't very jazzy that night. It was more like funk, kind of world funk or something. Yeah, but it was also the jazz came second to the fact that it was just, it just so happened that the jazz bar was open three hours later. Yeah, the jazz bar was open to 5 a.m. every (laughs) (laughs) So... Uh, uh, yeah, there's been a few nights yeah. that so we, we uh, suddenly up people become very big jazz yeah, fans. Yeah, and that, I fell into that camp. I was suddenly um, a jazzer. Um, and jazzer. Jazzer. Um, and I remember getting the train and I would be full of excitement to see you. And Edinburgh is a, a, just... Oh, man. This whole conversation is basically filling me with the sort of... It's that bittersweet mm. feeling of um, I feel very fortunate to to feel this way about a place. Mm. Uh, like I remember from from that night, my main memory, the, the night we went to the jazz bar, is saying goodbye to you above the statue of Greyfriars Bobby. <laughs> Do you remember this? Yeah. <laughs> so for anyone who doesn't know, there is a statue metal well i don't know a bronze statue of a small dog um by this uh graveyard in edinburgh because as the story goes uh this dog belonged to a someone i think a policeman and then when the policeman died the dog used to go to his grave every day and just sort of wait and you know everyone thinks that's very cute i think it's quite disturbing actually but they erected this statue in tribute to this very morbid dog who just couldn't take a hint and move on. And people <laughs> people have uh, turned it into a sort of vaguely semi-religious site where you go and you rub Greyfriar Bobby's nose yeah. and it's supposed to give you luck. So now it's got to the point where the metal on his nose has sort of... the the colour has rubbed away because people have come, come and, and I believe I... St- just quickly, Ollie, come to think of it, mm-hmm. I, ha- I have been fairly lucky ever since I rubbed that dog's nose. Okay, so you think it's directly... Because it is funny, actually, now you say that, because I remember I specifically... I made a big deal out of not rubbing its nose and things have been shit for me <laughs> ever since. But obviously it's not very you know corvid safe to go up and rub the nose now i i wouldn't recommend that but well i believe it's got a mask on at the moment oh good yeah but i remember that night because you know to get vaguely serious for a second uh spending that night with george would have been one of my sort of rare social excursions for that time when i was because i was not in a great place at at that time and I was finding it quite difficult to go out and, you know, especially with people I didn't know that well, but it was a whole different thing with George. Although, having said that, I'm fairly certain there would have been some kind of delay on my end, probably provoked by feeling panicky. Um, Because I remember there have been times with us with that kind of thing. It doesn't matter that I know you won't care about you know, yeah, the yeah. panicky side is just kind of can still hold me back a bit. But I, re- I remember saying goodbye at Greyfriars Bobby and you walking down Grassmarket because I believe you were staying at a, a hotel down there. And yeah, I remember feeling very sad that you were leaving. Yeah. Um, and then I had quite a long walk home. But I remember and I the was trip- just thinking the whole time, like, I wish George lived here. Yeah. I, but I remember the. 
of course, I would have just wanted to come up and see you. But I, I, I seem to remember that trip in particular. I was kind of aware that you were having a tough time up there. I don't know to what extent I will have known, but I, I and it might have just been that you know you'd said I don't know, man. I don't know, but I seem to remember knowing that it was not an important visit, but it was great that I was able to do it and that we were able to be together. Mm. Um, yeah, but, well. It- it is weird to think about we had this period in our friendship where I feel like we were both um aware or maybe it was you know more one side just because what am I trying to say I feel like my st- struggles may were maybe more visible earlier than than yours were if that makes sense but, uh, so no. sorry no I I, I remember I don't know if this is what you, this I don't know if you will remember this or not, but I I was in Lipstick City of all places. I was in Los Angeles, um, and I was staying in a motel on the first record. And I remember hotel you had tweeted something that you know it didn't take much reading between the lines to know that. And I remember messaging you just saying, "I hope you know you you can always talk to me, and I hope you're all right." And I and I remember mm. that. I don't know. I, I, well, I definitely, I mean, I don't remember this specific thing, mm. but I remember various times that you would message me out of the blue, or at least that's how it seemed to me. But as you say, like, you know, wasn't exactly subtle, mm. tweeting like, oh, I feel like shit. Um, yeah, but I think it wasn't it, quite as transparent we're as that. Able but... to, in hindsight, I, I don't think you would tweet things like that but yeah. it, there's an element of i and the, i, I felt I'm, very i i i remember that time feeling very i was in a strange position where i like i suddenly had lots of people interacting with my tweets etc mm. but i wasn't talking to anyone in real life yes. so in a way and and i should say i don't think this is a healthy place to be in because you know I did have people in my life I could have spoke to, well, and I do now, and that's, I feel much happier being in the place now where George and I can skip that tweet and go straight to the part where we just honestly say, I mean, even, you know, when we were talking before we started recording, we just, we very easily slipped into the kind of the truth of how we're feeling rather than tiptoeing around it whereas before i very much felt like that not not with you specifically just in general but then because i was in this position where like people were responding to my tweets all the time and because i felt so you know i didn't feel good at that time and i needed something i guess yes. i needed some kind of um response uh and that was the way i got it at then and you know it's it's a weird place to be. I mean, this is all such a new phenomenon. The idea of having faceless people you don't know be more aware of your like uh, emotional state than your family mm. or the people that j- just because like you know my friends don't look at my tweets. George, I'm fairly certain we can count on one toe the people that we know in real life that listen to our podcast. Um, (laughs) Because, I mean, and I get that, but like it it felt very, I was kind of catering to a different audience and it felt very much like putting that out there was totally separate to actually 
in um confronting it with someone in my life but, but, it felt like much le- low lower pressure yeah but forgive me if i'm wrong but i seem to remember thinking well, we'll at the time that there was an you it was like a safe way of you kind of letting the people in your life know that you you weren't doing so well without having to say it to them so it was almost like a yes, bit, i'm aware like a call for help. Yeah, I'm aware that they'll be seeing this to some extent and th- then maybe th- they can start the conversation or, or maybe then there'll well, be some sort of understanding. That very much could have been like a subconscious thing, but I, but I do remember very consciously feeling that there was like quite a big distinction between... It very much felt like... And this is bizarre to say because obviously tweet, tweets are public... Well, unless you're a private account... Obviously, I was tweeting this for anyone to see, mm. but I felt like the... Well, maybe the distinction I should make is not between friends and uh, people I didn't know in person, but family. Yes. Because my family certainly didn't read my tweets. And maybe that was the... I, you know, for various reasons, I didn't feel able to speak to my family about how I felt at that time and even though it is of course possible that they saw those tweets it was very unlikely uh you know just because they're not very supportive um they don't follow me (laughs) that's a joke (laughs) (laughs) but it's just at that time I just there, there was no indication to me that my family had any interest in my tweets and that felt quite good in some ways, <laughs> but just, and it feels kind of strange we're t- talking so much about Twitter, but I'm just using that as an example of the kind of the personal slash private like divide, yeah. especially with social media. It, it's an odd place. I, I get what you're saying completely. And in, in, in relation to our relationship, I th- it, 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 it does seem like a necessary thing to talk about because I, I do remember a period where... That was on my periphery. I was aware that you weren't doing so well because of the, the, that the tweets. Um, mm. And and I and I wonder yeah. if I would have ever actually said it. Like, but, but that it, it kind of because you're saying, you know, is there potentially a subconscious part of you was thinking someone that I know might see this? I'm sure it was. Yeah, yeah. But that's sure. how you know. And at that time, I, I see. I always associate our relationship as well with we go off we go long periods of time without seeing one another and, and that's why I think we we hold Christmas so dearly because it, for like three years in a row there was there was one year or mm. maybe two years where we didn't see each other for a year up until Christmas yeah. but it was different to this year mm-hmm. because we were both doing things um, yeah it, it 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 was more our choice yes. whereas well i mean not explicitly it's not like we said i'm not going to sue this year yeah. but this year 2020 if i had had my way would have been very different so that's um a whole other but i i also i think what you're saying is like we have had to navigate a friendship through quite big geographical distance Partly because, if, well, for a certain amount of time, it was because you 
were, of course, in different places quite often. You weren't in one place for one time. And then that was also true of me. So we never happened to be in the same place, or not never, but less frequently than maybe others. Yeah, but then um, but also while you, you say that, but then I think of all of our friends, I think me and you have had more... We have more memories outside of home because of it too. Like when I think about uh, well, yeah, Birmingham that, and Edinburgh and Barcelona. And I think that's because we kind of, because we were aware <laughs> that there wasn't, you couldn't leave it up to chance that we were going to mm. be in in the same pub at the same time. Yeah. So instead it was more like if I, if we're going to see each other, it has to be planned. Yes. So, and you know, we're recording this in what, October, 2020. I still don't know what's going on with Christmas, but my sincere hope is that the phone a friend Instagram is going to be full of brand new pictures <laughs> of the two of us embracing and from different angles. Oh, but I'll, I'll move heaven and earth to get you here. I've, I've already said to you, I'll get you on a uh, kind of... Yeah, you're so kind, actually. You, you said that you know someone that works for, what is it, PetSmart? Yeah. Something like that? Hello? Transfers. I could get you in the uh, hold game of and, a flight. Uh, Small game yeah. between from nation to nation. I mean, yeah, I mean, I th believe unless things change drastically, I will be able to come to the UK, but I'm going to have to come two weeks earlier than, All the better. than Christmas, if that makes sense. Um, no, well, but you won't be able to see me. Yeah, but I'll be able to come and just, I'll be in quarantine. I'll come and knock on the door. You can wait, well, through, the, through window. the window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hi, mate. Hi, mate. Um, yeah. But I just, I, um, yeah. It's... I feel like I, I almost, I don't know. I feel as if this year, for the listener, I don't know if you guys know, but it's actually been some unprecedented times. But it has made me reflect on particularly friendship. And that's because I'm in the situation where I am living with my girlfriend. I'm, I'm in that way, uh, in terms of like a romantic partnership, that has not changed very much. But in terms of the amount I see my friends and family, it's changed 100% because I used to see them and now don't. Mm. And it has made me think a lot about, I mean, family, of course, but also I, even though I haven't lived consistently in Hartford amongst my friends for, what, eight years now, mm. that is still the kind of anchor of my friendship group. That is 100% the kind of central magnetic point where... I know I'll go there and I will be amongst all of my closest friends mm. and not being able to do that. I mean, all of this is to say, if this episode has seemed any different to people, it's based on those feelings, I think, mm. from, from both of us, that we have been denied our usual. And also, I've had four Estrella and I haven't drunk in two months, <laughs> so there's probably something to do with that. But I, th I think... Without wanting to explicitly say it, we, we are aware that there are many of you listening to this that are in the same boat. And I just, it's, uh, yeah, we, I certainly, you're in my thoughts, I, I think about the different situations that people are in this year and, and it's easy for me to kind of understand it through my own situation. So I'm at, d d does that make sense? It's like empathy through understanding, if that makes sense. Um, well, I think that, I mean, yeah, again, I hope that what people take from this is that our most our most positive comments are always people saying it feels like just hanging out in a pub with two people. And this episode, probably more than ever, because I have been uh, working my way through some uh, 
warm bottles of lager, but <laughs> also because we have been essentially rambling, but I don't mean that in a negative sense. No. Rambling in the nicest way. Taking a ramble is maybe a better way of putting it. Down memory lane and thinking of all the all the kind of focal points in these last 10 years that, well, not all of them, we'd need a longer podcast, but some of the main ones. And my goodness, George, I can't wait to play Scrabble with you. Oh, mate. I in a... Yeah, it's... Yeah. Um... I think we should the, the the sensible thing to do this week is to bypass the messenger boy and I mean because beautiful Jexton's still somewhat jet lagged. Um, well, yeah, I was going to say that there's a more practical reason for doing that, which is <sighs> Marber Red has joined what I could only describe as some kind of underground street horse fighting ring and left the messenger boy, and I never thought I would side with the messenger boy but left the messenger boy without anyone to ride him <laughs> and deliver the mail so i do forget what i will say is ridden yeah i forget that yes of course of course yeah what i will say is that all of your emails have been very much appreciated and we, we'll just postpone till next week we're not gonna discard any of these there's a few that we want to Ollie, read out. Can, so. I, can I suggest something to you and the listeners? Oh, what? I should fucking no, no, start eating more no, healthy. No, <laughs> no. I, have, I have loved this conversation and just talking about good times, old times. Why don't our listeners send in kind of messages to people they're missing? So if, if you can send a message to someone else you know that yes. listens and then we can read it out and it's surprised them. Almost like a drive-time radio show. Where it's like, you know... Yes, secretly, we're, we're kind of uncovering where we want to be, which is <laughs> saying, reading out things and saying, Sarah says thanks so much to Charlie yeah. for bringing over the ladder. <laughs> yeah. The ladder has been much appreciated. Thank you, Charlie. Yeah. Next up, it's Stereophonics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think that would be a lovely thing. I think we will get a kick out of hearing I people's think that's messages. A good idea. And it gives our lovely listeners the opportunity to say hello to the people they love the most. Well, also, my cynical mind goes to this place, which is send a message tell it, uh, to someone who maybe doesn't listen to the podcast and then they have to. <laughs> and then our listener numbers go up to maybe 60,000 million. <laughs> Can you tell that I've had some beers? It's quite subtle. No, it's great. You keep doing you, mate. I, um... uh, well, don't. Yeah, maybe not too far. Remember, I'm on my own for two weeks. Yeah. So I probably shouldn't keep doing me. No. <laughs> I should keep doing a certain amount of me, but I should absolutely uh... limit it. Oh, well, mate, I've fucking loved that. Um, Me too. And if it wasn't for the fact that um, I need to relieve myself, then I would stay here all night with you, George, my friend. But all that remains is for us to say thank you very much to everyone for listening. Please do send us an email, George. How do they do that? Yes, please do. Send in an email. Send in a message for another listener, someone that you're missing, somebody that you love, somebody that you'd like to say hello to by contact at phoneafriendpodcast.com so if you email contact at phoneafriendpodcast.com and we'll get through we'll do an email bumper episode next week yes 
and follow the Instagram, which is at phoneafriendpod. And George, if you've learned anything this week, I hope it's this. There are limits to my patience. All the best, my friend. Oh. I'll speak to you next <laughs> okay, week. Okay, fantastic. Bye, then. See you.